Sweet dreams that leave all worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast Still The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Remember when I fell asleep and I got on my knees and begged you not to slash because I go berserk? Well... You slashed me anyhow, and then the nights got worse and worse, and now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee-ha, to the funny farm, where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats coming to take me away, ha-ha. You thought it was a joke, and so you laughed, you laughed When I had said that dreaming you would make me flip my lip Right? You know you laughed, I heard you laugh You laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed And when you laugh, you know I'm utterly mad And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha To the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away, ha ha! I took a pill, I took a nap and this is how you pay me back for all my kind unselfish loving deeds? Huh? Well you just wait, they'll find you yet and when they do, they'll put you in the ASPCA, you mangy mutt! They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm, where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, ha-ha, Dream warriors, bitches! Welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. We are back with the second Nightmare on Elm Street, and I say that because it's the third Nightmare on Elm Street, but we're just going to pretend. 
and that second one didn't happen at all. What happens in the second? Oh, it happens. Street stays in the second Nightmare on Elm Street. You know what I'm saying? Bad case oh, it of happens. Freddy's Revenge. You felt it. You felt it in the bum. It happened. <laughs> I can tell by your walk that it happened. <laughs> well, I'm Chris Honeywell, and the, the voice you heard is the other Chris, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Andale! <laughs> and, and that laugh you heard was one of the two of them Jackanetti boys, Luke Jackanetti. Welcome to the snake pit. <laughs> and the other Jackanetti boy, Double J, Jason Jackanetti. Who gives a fuck what you think? <laughs> okay, I'll go now. <laughs> Wait, you want you want the other ones? <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. Uh, we... uh, the where the series changed. Yep. Let's uh, go kick this motherfucker's ass all over the dreamland. That one? Actually, you want? What do you want? Oh, I know what my you know what my backup one was. You ain't putting me to sleep. Ain't nobody putting me to sleep. I ain't going to sleep. You ain't putting me to sleep. I ain't going to sleep. You ain't putting me to sleep. Kroger! Murphy, pussy! You ain't putting me to sleep. You ain't putting me to sleep now. Kincaid is a motherfucker. I'm literally driving in the car, picking up bagels for breakfast. Just saying that to myself. You ain't putting me to sleep. I ain't going to sleep. You ain't putting me to sleep. Oh, God, I love this movie. Let's talk about it. I gotta say, I'm, I am, in, I think I'm gonna be enjoying the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, but boy, that this, this is uh, this was quite a rally from the last movie. This the the last movie definitely had that. Yeah, we don't really know where to go with this. Let's just sort <laughs> yeah. of do the last movie, but gay. Yeah. We gotta capitalize now. This one really starts starts building up the it builds up the Freddy mythos without yeah. making it too yeah. cheesy. It's pretty cheesy, but it's cheesy but it's in that right cheese. way. It's Velveeta mm, it is. on it's your favorite creamy. noodles. I really enjoyed uh, this movie. I was very pleasantly surprised by the, I was expecting it to be a lot dumber than it was. It's uh, it has its share of dumb moments, oh, yeah. but there's a, uh, there's a reason why not only is Dream Warriors considered to be the best of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels by head and shoulders uh, above most of the others, but it's also in many circles considered one of the best sequels, period, horror or otherwise, to ever be written to a film as popular as a Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it, it, it the fact that Craven was involved in writing the story. And there were a lot of differences between his story and what ended up on the on the film. But having Craven there me, gives everything a certain vermicitude, you know. It there, there's it, it makes sense. It fits in the universe and what we know about Fred Krueger. And and you, know? you also and it, got the real feel that the cast and everything they they took it they took it seriously to a point, you know. But they were they were working with it, you know. They they were not. It, it wasn't being camped up or it was a little bit but it still had the, it it had a real feel of a of a movie where they'd plotted it out and figured out things you, you could definitely feel more of the feel of the original nightmare on elm street in it yeah where the other one had a lot of the same beats this one 
had the same sort of feel to it where you were learning a little more about Freddy and it, it just had a lot more, um, even though the idea of it's um, kind of cheesy, it's more like a superhero movie. Yeah. You just yep. discuss the idea of it. It still had some, it was still genuinely creepy for a good portion of it. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. some humorous stuff in it, but at the same time, they were playing it straight, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's... Uh, it, go here, yeah, go here. Part of, part of it's the setting. Um, we're not in the suburbs anymore. Now we're going to a very specific place. We're going to a place that specifically deals with people that have sleeping disorders. Can't imagine why they'd have a sleeping disorder. Probably because someone's trying to kill them every time they go to sleep. And it's... Uh, it's a it's a great hook. I mean, oh, yeah. and I'm sure you're going to bring up Chris the fact that the intentional <laughs> referencing of one flew over the cuckoo's nest in this. Oh, I'm sure you caught it from from the jump with a lot of oh, it. Oh yeah, uh, and it's it's a great place to put a batch of new characters and bring back some of the older characters. I just, uh, I love it. I love it. So. I, well, what do you, what do you... They, they were definitely, there were a lot of tributes in this movie, but they were played really well. You know, like Little Nemo's Bar. Yes, thank you. I was yeah. going to mention it if nobody um, else the did. The scene in the junkyard is yeah. pure Evil Dead. It's just yeah. like it's like with, with the car, except instead of, um, you know, stuffed animals coming alive, it's the cars coming alive and stuff. And, but then it goes right into Harryhausen, you know. Right, sort yeah. of. So I think this is sort of predating, um, um, well, Army of Darkness, paying tribute yes. to oh, Harryhausen. Yeah, but it, hey, it this, very this much felt is, like Army of so Darkness' good. tribute. Yeah. This movie is so good it pays homage to a movie that hasn't even been made yet. Right. Yeah. It was <laughs> paying homage to a movie, uh, paying homage to a movie, paying homage. Right. It's forward it's thinking, like even, double even time beyond, travel. Yeah, even beyond that, there's there's a bit in here. I, I, my, I I'll, and I'll, I'll mention it when we get to it. But I made a note saying, "Oh, this must be a reference to that movie." And then I remembered, "No, wait a minute, this was made before that." <laughs> so See, it is I, very I think most of the damage to this movie is just as as a result of the time period it was made in. If you start insulting Dawkins, we're gonna have words, <laughs> my friend. But well, yeah, that song went, that. what do you call it? That song was a huge hit, and they actually uh, went, I want to see either the double platinum or uh, whatever. It, it, it sold a ton of uh, albums. Dream Warriors was huge. Oh, yeah, Back for the Attack. That's the album that uh, Dream Warriors uh, is on. Into the Fire is on a different album. But, yeah, uh, yeah that album was huge. Huge. And it had a music yeah, and, video, even, with, with Freddy. Yes. With Freddy. Oh, Who were yeah. those guys? Well, that's the uh, thing. It wasn't you, just a generic band like you'd usually have in this with a synthesizer going, <laughs> you know, in the in the '80s. Although Dokken is pretty iconically '80s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The '80s damage in it is like the characterizations. You know, the way they and 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 you know just the general hairstyles and. In clothes and stuff, you know, it's it, it was just generally. 
some of that stuff's unavoidable regardless of when you make a movie. Right. I mean, maybe not now. It seems like clothing has kind of gotten to a point where it's pretty right, much... Right, but like the bad... Hasn't the changed bad girl, in rock girl. Like, goth girl who turns into badass... Yeah, Karen. Punk rock girl. Yeah, yeah but you know... That's, but, that's but the total mean, 80s, like, they got an actress who wasn't really punk rock, and they're like, all right, she doesn't want to... Com- we can't commit her to a real mohawk, so we'll do that sort of... Yeah, but you know what? She looks strung out. That was all her. That was her thing. That was all her. She came up with that. Okay, so right. So the original, I didn't the, have to the, shave her head. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, okay, right. But the thing is that, but that was a look that that girls did at that time. Oh, sure. And she yeah. and she went to Chuck Russell. Chuck Russell. Okay, so originally it was Wes Craven and um, Ben Wagner did the original treatment, and the problem was the treatment just didn't work for what they were doing, and they had. So they actually, uh, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont came in and rewrote the script. Um, and they, they, and they wanted to, they didn't know which one of them was going to redirect. And then Chuck Russell became the one who's going to direct the film before he went on to direct other films, obviously. Um, because these guys were really young. And Taryn, uh, her name, Jennifer, whatever her actual last name is. Ruben. Ruben, thank you. Um, she went up and said, I want to do this. Like, what about this hair? And he's like, that's awesome. He goes, you know how to do that? He goes, yeah. And they had the makeup people do that and that's what i mean so that that giant punk rock hair that she had was all her idea and she had friends and stuff who were really into that scene so she was kind of again she might not have been as into it as the rest of them, but she was into that kind of stuff and one of the things she said when on, on the um never sleep again the documentary which is we've mentioned before it's outstanding um that she would get into that and again it's not going to you're going you're to set her all up and leave her up for the day they actually went out for Chinese food that night, and she's still in her full regalia, right, with the the the, uh, the leather and the whatever. <laughs> and the Chinese, they didn't know what to make of her. They're just staring at her, and because she looks so crazy. But it, it's true. If you've never seen someone with spikes like that in their hair, I mean, especially in the 18, I think I think we also have to look back at things is in modern day. We you know you have you have to accept everybody. You have to accept even if whatever. And if you don't accept people, uh, then you're like the worst person in the world. But in the 80s, and no one accepted. Well, look at that guy. Look at that freak. Look at that. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, people would say those things because that's what they, they just said. What the hell they felt like saying. Now, if you said that, you get sued. Um, but she, she was just kind of a little out there and nuts. She, had the, the, the actual, she's a little. Uh, when you hear her talk, you like, wow, this girl, like, she definitely seems like she might have been like really high, but she wasn't. But she's like, I get really into things, and she actually stabbed. Um, Robert England in the fight scene and then uh, <laughs> he caught her with uh, the glove in the scene because they're going back and forth um, and one of the things that um, came up is a lot of, she got a lot of a fan mail and heard from fans who had said because you know because because she was a you know her her character's a junkie right when, you know, and then he is like you know let's get high when he has all the hyperbolic needle fingers which is a fantastic scene that a lot of uh, people said that after seeing the movie, they they decided to get clean because that said they that <laughs> she impressed upon them so much about like you know not wanting to die from this. So well, that that and actually be, and well that that not to interrupt but that kind of broaches my thoughts on what you were saying earlier, Chris, about this reminding you more of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And yeah. we talked about this that Nightmare on Elm Street was about teen empowerment, right? 
because mm-hmm. there was the question of, well, is Nightmare on Elm Street a feminist film? And Heather Langenkamp saying, I think it's a teen empowerment film. It just, it, it just happens to have a female lead. All that, this kind of takes this teen empowerment thing to the to the zenith, to the ultimate degree. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 the most marginalized group of teens you can imagine. They're in an in an institution. Everything they say is thought to be a delusion or a lie. No one except Dr. Gordon, hello Dr. Gordon, believes them. Yeah, and they <laughs> will know? be dr- and and they will drug them to sleep. Yeah, they'll they'll do whatever they and no one will listen to them. The only people they can rely on are themselves. It's about empowerment. So Taryn says in my dreams I'm beautiful and bad. Okay? The worst me, line that, ever. It is a terrible line. But it's yeah. the, the but the characterization still works. Now, if you do this yes. nowadays, maybe that chick is wearing maybe she's dressed like Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad with with you know a big fucking hammer or something. But she, it's the same idea. Yeah, it's you know that she, she's in power. You know, Kincaid is you know he's a big guy, but he gets thrown around by the orderlies. You know, you put me to sleep. But now and now he's strong enough to push everything around and do everything his way. You know the um, uh, you know Will is. We all know that dude, you know. Maybe he's not in a wheelchair, but we all know Will, right? The guy that knows yeah. knows way too many details from the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide. Okay? He was he was a huge D and D fan, and, yeah. he, and 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 he always said he goes, "I was Harry Potter before there was Harry Potter." Like <laughs> I, I, I watched this with Maureen, yeah. and literally when he gets the cloak on him, I said. Fuck Harry Potter too. She loves. It. I love Harry Potter too. Yeah. But she, she's not a tie. I'm like that. Really is. He was Harry Potter yeah. before it. But well, that's one of the things. Is, that, that, even, yeah. even down to Kristen having her acrobatics and all that. Everyone is empowered, and they they turn their weaknesses into their strengths, and they are empowered because no one else will help them. And isn't that really at the end of the day what Nightmare on Elm Street is about? is that the sins of the parents are revisited on the kids, and the kids have to take care of themselves because nobody else will fucking help them. And that's what this oh, is Especially about. not Kristen's mom. Oh, God. Kristen's well, mom yeah. has got it. Oh, <sighs> I think that's a well, the, the, no, the she thing does is, not. She's got it going on the, uh... the men, you know. It's like, I said, where's the bourbon? You know? She's got bourbon, yeah. That's a... <laughs> so the, the thing is, <laughs> And that's about time, it, in a giant mole. At, at this time, you had a lot of those at... You used to see them on TV. Like, they would have... Uh, like on Donahue and stuff, they had those at-risk kids and they had those camps where they would take your kid who was at risk and basically like beat the shit out of him kind of thing to get him like, you know, to kind of set him straight. And one of the things that's what they want to touch on here uh, in the movie is these kids are really at risk and they really were worried about them. And one of the major themes, if you think about when this came out, think about movies in the eighties, there's a lot of teen suicide, suicide and, and, and the and youth go together and it's 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 still true to this day, um, and we see yeah. it more and more now. But those are real issues, and I think that's one of the main things that they really wanted to hit on in part three was um, even though uh, obviously uh, you know Russell and Darabont came back in and whatever, it's, they they were trying to hit on things that really connected with kids because they wanted kids to see this and say, okay, these guys aren't you know they're not full of shit. Like these guys understand you know the. That like there's real issues going on, and there's a lot and a lot of suicide. I mean, think about it. At the time, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, um, was it Heather's? Um, there was oh crap, I'm just blanking all the other movies. I just thought of them all, and I'm not blanking on them. But all those movies about teen suicide that came out around this Better time. Better Dead was a, was was yeah. a, a few years before this. Yeah. Treated in a, I mean, Better Off Dead treated it in a in a satirical way. 
Yes. But yeah, yeah. Teen, teen suicide. Not only, I mean, but it was, but it was still mostly a taboo, even by '87. Yes. You didn't talk about. It. They listened to the two, uh, to their records backwards and worshipped Satan. They weren't good normal kids, okay. And you know, the kids here, yeah, they're troubled, but they look like normal kids, you know. I mean, uh, you yeah. know, uh, Patricia Arquette. I mean, she could have just dreamed all this and had all the. She could have seen all this coming, right? In uh, as a friend of yeah. right? Uh, Nothing, no or medium. She okay. anyway. or, or, I just said it, medium. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't hear you. I got it. She would say, what? Mi nombre no importante. <laughs> no, it's a stigmata reference. Come on. I know it's a stigmata <laughs> reference. <laughs> Point is, is that whether we're looking at, you know, Kristen, um, you know, Philip, Kincaid, Joey, Will, Jennifer, Taryn, they look like normal kids that you might see at a, at a school. They're not... They're they're at troubled risk, but they're not. You know, they they don't look like monsters. They don't look like freaks. They look like kids. You know. Yeah. And so that that makes their transformation that much more. You know, they like you said, um, Honeywell. They become a superhero team. They become basically the Avengers. You know, <laughs> to, to go and 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 fight. You know, the, the big Avengers, bang. little X Men in there too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. It, it that that's what really brought me back is that. You're taking and you know because that was the setup here in the original was this you know you had um, you had Rod and you know nobody really believed him because he was kind of a you know he's kind of a out there kid he's kind Delinquent. of an outsider you know and now you've got the ultimate group of outsiders and they're and so they they've got to work together and uh, and, and you know it's and and you know Chris you you said this that this is where the franchise changes and there's a specific yes. scene and one thing that yep. I thought was was interesting is that. Freddie doesn't get a big grand entrance. You know, Kristen has her dream at the beginning where she is staying up for her mom and she builds the house out of paper mache and the popsicle sticks. And then she goes, you know, goes to sleep and wakes up in the house. And then Freddie, Freddie's already been established. We're in the third film. He doesn't need, you know, he doesn't get a great grand, you know, entrance like, and here's Freddie, you know. He's just introduced into the story very quickly and very naturally. Yeah, he's just in the background as she's running away, and there it is. Yeah, that's what you get for uh, running through pudding. Yeah, this was black pudding this time, though. <laughs> but uh, but not the good kind. Yeah, the sausage, you know. It's black pudding. It's, it's, have, just have some blood sausage. The secret ingredient is blood. <laughs> well, Chris, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, they always felt that Kristen's mom was certainly one of the group that that hunted down Freddy. Um, and you kind of get that feeling too when uh, you see in the movie she's um, she's got baggage. She, she's she a reminds hard me a lot. drinking, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, she would think. Well, she's different men all the time. Apparently, you know, you infer that from mm-hmm. you know what's uh, every time I bring a man home. Blah, blah, yeah. So apparently, it's going on a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so her coping mechanism is uh, apparently loose sex with random men. Yeah, we've all well, been there, as you do. <laughs> well. Um, but, but again, it, it, it kind of harkens back, it, it, it harkens back to Nancy's mom in the first one, where she's an alcoholic too. You know, where she can't accept that her daughter's having. You know, why is she having this breakdown? And she's like, "Well, I'll I'll keep her safe by locking her in and like taking it all away." And Kristen's mom is like, "Why can't you just be normal?" Like it's it's all them dealing with the this their their sins are being revisited on their children, and they can't handle that. So you got to figure. By the time you get to three, Kristen's mom 
it's like, oh shit, I was part of that. What if this guy, and like, and it's her just guilt, 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 you know, as she's sleeping her way through the neighborhood, um, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I'm fucking the phone book. Here we go. You know, kind of thing. So it's, uh, um, you get a paper cut doing that. <laughs> um, so the, the, you know, the thing is, uh, is, is that you, you kind of have that feeling that she definitely is, um, one of the, one of the parents who, you know, who killed him, you know, or right. was there when this all happened. Um, whereas the unlike, other, the other, in the, unlike in the second one where they specifically had no connection to him. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, other saying. than living in the same living, house, other than living in the house, but they had that family didn't do anything to Freddy Krueger. Right. So that, that gets Except, back again to kind of you know it's like hey remember that yeah neither do we let's move on shall yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. It's like except that like well we made this movie and the problem is uh, Nightmare Two made a lot of freaking money especially yeah. overseas. So Nightmare Three was definitely going to happen, but I think what they really made sure that Dream War that Dream Warriors was going to be and they they have they have some of the most iconic scenes from the entire series occur in this movie yep, um yeah you know i mean think about just the just the uh the marionette scene um yes. when freddie yeah. you know freddie turns into you know becomes the character comes down and then is picking up him and he's that scene right there people just see that and they're like what and it's so nightmare inducing so you know kind real. of thing yeah yeah, it's yeah, very well, that, realistic and surreal at the same time. Right, and and that yeah. that was well, I mean that scene was so um, was so popular that was used in the montage at the beginning of Freddy vs Jason as yep, one yep. of his you know classic kills. And what I love about that the, the specific uh, that that's Joey's death is no uh, no it's uh, not Joey. Joey's the one with the, with the blonde. It's Will, isn't it? No, that's no, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Uh, Philip. Philip, that's who it is. Yeah, Phillip. I've got my name. Yeah, it's Philip. I forget. Philip has no other. You know, he he. That's right, because Philip is the one in group who's the one who has insight. So he's the one Freddy kills first. You notice that? Yes. Because he says, yep. "Oh, we we have maximum effort for minimal results," and he's the one that thinks that group is a waste of time, and so he's the one that gets killed. But anyway, but yes, but the imagery with that with Philip is it it not only evokes just a classic puppet imagery, which of course in my mind immediately jumps to. The album cover to Number of the Beast by Iron yeah, Maiden, yeah. with the giant puppet master Eddie uh, holding the strings of the devil, and the devil's holding the strings of the of the human. Um, and of course, the classic, um, you know, sort of Pinocchio imagery. You know, Pinocchio strings are cut, kind of thing. But the what yeah. and and so that it, it just works on on a lot of levels. But this is what I was saying earlier that this film was so prescient that it referenced a film that hadn't happened yet. So. The note I have is, oh, we've got a stop-motion marionette puppet. That's obviously a dig at Puppet Master, right? And Puppet Master's not made for another two years. And it's like it even looks like David Allen's work, but it's not. It's like, wow, that—that's. I mean, it's—it's it's, you, you. To me, it's like you think of, oh, stop-motion animated puppets. That must be something that Charles Band had something to do with, right? No, <laughs> it all comes back to yeah. here. And even with the face morphing, we get that later in the Puppet Master series with uh, Decapitron looking like uh, Guy Rolf, you know. So, uh, so that that just that just really cracked me up. It's like all this stuff that I lay at the feet of uh, you know the work that was done by David um, by David Allen in Puppet Master kind of has its basis here. So it's like who was influencing whom at that point. But yeah, it's it's such a great one. My my uh, my mother in law loved that bit to the point that when we watched Freddy vs Jason. 
she howled in delight when it showed up in the montage because she loved Freddy <laughs> Krueger, loved Nightmare on Elm Street with, with a kind of an yeah, odd and it's and so. it's. Yeah, and it's one of those kills that really doesn't play fair with the audience either. How did he get through that locked door? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't true. matter. It's it's all good. Yeah. Because in the dream the door was unlocked, you know? That's that's what it that's what it comes down to. Freddy doesn't play by the rules because he can yep. as we as I mean Nancy tells us, he's never been this powerful. So he's doing uh, I got, you know, it's uh yeah, I threw that shit before I came in the room. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, dynamite! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, yeah. guys. Sorry. Black Dynamite's <laughs> fucking hysterical. I know we're not talking about that, but it's a funny movie. That or, anyway. or if, you yeah. want, if you want, Dr. Facilier. You can also do Dr. Facilier from uh, uh, The Princess and the Frog. I got voodoo, I got hoodoo, I got stuff I ain't even tried! You know. <laughs> so, the... Uh, um, yeah, but I mean, you have you have those scenes, you know, uh, that are the, there's that, um, the because uh, uh, Kevin Yeager actually took over the effects on this movie, and he was the the head of the special effects. So it's, he's trying to they're trying to, and, and the most of the money in this movie was spent on the effects. In fact, they did an effect that was cut um, when the Kristen is running, and she has the uh, it's a skeleton, right? With the like, the, 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 it's when she's running, and she's carrying the skeleton. Originally, yeah. um, it was supposed to be a child, and um, what happened was they said, "Well, what's what are we looking at?" And Chuck Russell told him, "He goes, think Auschwitz." So they made uh. this super realistic, and if you watch the documentary, they show it. It is terrifying looking. This completely mummified, emaciated little girl that she's carrying, and they said it was so scary that there was no way they could keep it in there because it would just terrify people to no end. Now and it was just, she's just carrying a doll, though. <laughs> right. Well, that's the whole point. That's what they did. They said he spent – the guy uh, – it, it wasn't Kevin Yeager. It was one of his effects stars. He goes, I spent like two weeks working on this thing and molding and casting it. They don't ever use it. And they had a guy, a prop guy, you know, glue together a, a skeleton, a flesh skeleton, in two minutes before he shot the scene. And it's like – because they kind of knew they had a like they knew what they weren't spending a ton of money on getting name actors. I mean, obviously Patricia, Patricia Arquette became a bigger star, but this is her first movie. I mean, Nancy Landing Camp they had to convince her to come back. You know, there are no stars, quote unquote. Um, Not even certain... bootleg Bill Maher. Right. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, he's kind of like Bill Maher and Tim Allen combined. Yeah, well... Oh, my God. Yes, oh, yes, he oh, is. Oh, oh, oh. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, just that's not... actual... No, I can't believe that you beat me to the Bill Maher thing. Yeah. Well, How could you... Oh, come on, he looks just like him. He does look a lot like Bill Maher. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want to see early Bill Maher acting, watch House 2, Second Story. Yeah. Or, or what? what is it? Uh, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Doom. Oh, yeah, that yeah. one, too. Yeah. So, um, what I'm saying... So you you uh, now I'm in, I mean so yeah so they had that scene and then they, and then they like the one where they want to do um, the pig the, the the dead pig on the table the right pig, yeah the, they had to figure out how much it was going to cost to do that and they saw the price to do a latex and when they were animatronics they go we can't afford that so they bought a real pig buy a pig roasted it <laughs> yeah. and they let it spoil they and and <clears throat> and, and they did what do you call it? and then then they whoever drew the short straw had to animate the pig from underneath. But they Ooh, said, that, yeah, no, it was hard. They said, they said, one of the guys goes, I can still smell the pig, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> the problem is, is that um, you think like, okay, well, how could this possibly be, 
you know, they're going to use a real pig or whatever. Yeah, because what happens was it looks realistic, and they didn't have the money to spend on the animatronic one, so they got a real one. The other thing they wound up doing, uh, the, um, the, the, the giant worm or snake monster, right? Oh, no, it's the Freddy penis. That's it is. always going to be the Freddy right. penis. But they had, um, but Kevin Yeager said this. He goes, uh, he goes, we had meetings, and they got to set, and they said, um, you know you can't use that, right? He goes, what are you talking about? Goes, it looks like a giant penis. He goes, yes, we had four meetings and five meetings about this. You told me to make it look just <laughs> like this. They said, we can't use this on film. He goes, but I did exactly what you asked. So they went in and painted it all green and did all the stuff to it because to, to kind of heat it up, but to kind of you know hide it all up. But they actually had um, three different ones. There was the one where it, it was like it looked like it's eating her. There's one where it's almost a full length of her, about half her length, and the one that would stand up and spit her out. And they shot it all in reverse. So like so when you see her being eaten, it's actually her coming out of the mouth, which is why it looks so. It doesn't look like regular movement and stuff. It looks that dream-like sequence because they filmed it it's, in reverse. It's great. Yeah, I, and, and again, I, I, you know, it could have been. I mean, if it, I mean, I think because they greened it up and they kind of made it look a little not like a. I mean, it's a giant penis, but if it was all pink and veiny, I think it would lose some of its effectiveness because you'd be like, oh my god, it's a giant penis. Like, when you watch the movie, you're like, Freddy Snake, okay. Like, you're willing to buy it. I love the Freddy Snake. 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 It's probably, uh, of all the forms that he takes, the Freddy Snake is... Unbelievable! I, it's probably my favorite one. Yeah. Well, they, they also did the, the wheelchair coming down the hallway. They built it so big it couldn't get down the hallway, right? It actually kept crashing <laughs> on the wall. They built it too big. But think about that scene now. It's so much more effective because it's too big. Yeah. If it had just it's, oh, it's massive. Yeah. Well, that's what they it's, said. It was dangerous. That's what they said. They couldn't control it. That was, so, it looked it was dangerous. Really it, movie, the Mangor, wasn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> starring Robert England. Well, that, that starring Robert England. Uh, let's, West, yeah. didn't, West, didn't West Craven produce the Mangor? I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 yeah this. Uh, go ahead, here. No, because I'm going to have a whole big tangent. It's so okay. okay. All, all I was going to say is that the interesting thing to me about the effects and those, you know the freddy snake and the you know the welcome to prime time and all that those are the ones that you always remember but the ones that have always kind of stuck with me and it's kind of a repeated motif in the film is there are rooms that change from one thing to another and there are yes. rooms that are that are obviously they are inside of a set that is being manipulated from the outside to change into things we see this when Kristen is in the paper mache house before the freddy snake where the you know, things are ripping up through the floor and through the walls. We see this when the group therapy room turns into the boiler room. We see this in the quiet room when all the, the, you know, the walls are slashed. We see this with the mirror room later on. So it's, you know, it, 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 to me, it, it reminds me a bit of in the first one when, um, you know, uh, the, when Johnny Depp is killed and the room was being changed uh, from the outside. That wasn't part of the narrative but the idea of manipulating the entire room. You're manipulating the setting. And a lot of times in a nightmare, your setting will change without explanation or reason, right? Because it doesn't have to because you're, you're, you're not working on the conscious level of your brain. It's like the scene in The Beyond <clears throat> when they're in the morgue and they run through a door and they're in the basement. 
and right. they don't understand yeah. why. It's the same idea. So the rooms are changing constantly. But even from beyond the the thematic aspect, those are just so wonderfully done. All those gimmicks and gags in those rooms, especially the first one, the paper mache house, when it's just being torn apart around her. And then when the group room turns into the boiler room, I love both of those. They're so well shot. They're so well put together. And you know how complicated something like that is to rig all those gimmicks because those are all done in camera. There's no composition uh-huh. with that. You're, you're rigging it and then you're shooting it and it better damn well work because otherwise you're going to have to rebuild it, you know? <laughs> and some yeah. of that stuff was not necessarily something you could just reset and do it again, you know? So I, I just, that, no, that to me, just, I, I had forgotten about how many times they use that, 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 uh, approach and it's really powerful because you've got a group of people in there. And so now you yeah. can, Freddie's screwing with the whole room full of people at once kind of thing. This, I think this one, uh, uh, more than probably any of the other ones, does that disjointed topography of a dream better than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you really do feel it. My big point, though, and I'm going to go back to the, what I've been talking about since we even first discussed this series, is the change in tone. Um, and it is the scene where Freddie kills uh, Jennifer. Is it Jennifer? Yes. The Jennifer. blonde? Yep. Yeah. Je- so, until this point, Freddie has been relatively quiet. Uh, not completely silent. He's not a monster per se. He's a, a villain. This is the one where the script gets flipped. That scene originally where it's the welcome to prime time scene, it was originally just going to be, you know, this is it, Jennifer, your big break in TV, which is funny. And then it was the welcome to heat. Uh, England added the welcome to prime time, bitch, bit. After that, all the kills are even more ironic, and there's far more banter from Freddy from this point on. And it's, it is where the series does flip from, uh, you know, a harder-edged horror series to... This is the good time, popcorn, like, horror movies. He's, he's crossing the line, and he eventually does yeah. cross it into horror host. Punt making yeah, horror it, host. Yeah, this is, yeah, this, is, this is the one where he becomes the right. star. The, you, you are now going to these movies not to see the kids get away. You're going to see the kids get killed. Right. Because I mean, what's Freddy going to say and what's he going to do? And it's even from that point on, it's with the one with Taryn and then with Will... Uh, you know, and uh, you know when he gets Joey in the coma, it's all a gag. Every single one of them, and it's creepy. It start they all start off creepy, but then there's always a gag at the end of it. I mean, his one-liners from this point on rival, you know, the best of Arnold. And <laughs> I, there are people that don't like that aspect of it. I love it. Um, I don't think you could have really? kept him completely silent. <laughs> I would. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you, but but I don't think you could have kept him the. No, you could, you could the silent pursuer yeah, and had it scary for for a... right. No, yeah, because because and, he and... has he, even even between one and two, he has more of a personality than the shape than Jason Voorhees and Leatherface mm-hmm. than any of his contemporaries. Yeah. Just because, well, for one thing, we can see his eyes. Yeah, you know he can speak. He talks to us. He goes, "This is God." Yeah, he's we thinking, don't know that. or the shape, you right. don't know if it's just animal brain working. Right. We don't, yeah, we don't know what the hell is going on with the shape, but right. Jason Pease, at the very least, yeah. is mentally retarded and is not 
in, you know, is is not operating at a very high level. You know, Leatherface. Yeah, he's and, not all there, yeah. and Michael Myers is a sociopath. Well, so, you know, like I said, if you get you get into the Halloween, it's like, is is he even? You know, is is he just powered by you know uh, some Celtic rune? We don't know what the hell is going on with him. But yeah, Freddy but being, by just yeah. being able to speak has already set himself apart. So I think you're right. There, they had to push it that way, especially given the popularity of the films and of the character, that they had to do that. And and I, I agree with you. I think it helps, and that helps define A Nightmare on Elm Street for a lot, a lot of its fans and a lot of the audience. The other side of that, and what I think this does, and this is used uh, to very good effect, in uh, especially in some of the sequels to this one, is that when Freddy is funny, he's funny, and we laugh with him even as you know he's chopping yeah. up some hapless kid. But then when England kind of changes the dial a little bit and gets to be serious, then that shit is creepy because we're used to yeah. Freddy being funny. And now he's like, all of Elm Street is my children. Every town has an Elm Street. And suddenly it's like, yeah. oh, shit, this guy still killed hundreds of people. He's not just funny. He's also a freaking nut, nut job. Well, yeah, he never he's a child, he never lo- and a child molester. And you, yeah. and you never, and he, you know, every time you laugh at whatever it might be, you never forget at the end of the day that he's still he's a is, bad is guy the, is the you know killer of children. Well, it's like yeah. Well, the the misogyny never leaves him. He, yeah. he a bitch is always thrown in. I mean, when when Joey's in the coma and he knows that Nancy's there, it's come and get him, bitch. Like it never. He might have a joke, but at the end of the day, he's still he's a vicious well, the person. Thing about it, it's yeah, like yeah. ironic punishments in hell, sort of thing. Our lab, Very ironic fun. punishment division. You like donuts, do you? Eat all the donuts in the world! Exactly. And it's, <laughs> Futurama. Oh, no, Simpsons. And that's that's Simpsons, actually yes, a bad yes. example because it's the Simpsons and it's funny. But <laughs> And no, I would eat all the donuts. It's, right, uh, it's the same idea, though. It's ironic punishment division. I understand. But the... <laughs> but the but when, when you take even the, the craziest, funniest thing that Freddy does... And you look at it from the point of view of the person who's getting it done with. It's the most probably horrific thing that could happen to them ever. You know, he's reached into the depths of their fears yeah. and pulled out the worst thing possible. And even yeah. though he's saying something funny to them, that must be just like, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you see it played on. You see it played on the faces of uh, Taryn and uh, Will, especially. You know, well, it's, Taren, you that, see that like Taryn David Cronenberg movie. With yeah, she immediately recoils. You know, when he's you know we're old friends, you and I, and the you know there's some heroin. You want some of this heroin? Yeah. I got this for you. Let's get high. And the same with Will. It's you know, uh, sorry, Philip. When you wake up, it's back in the saddle again, and it's like he's just he just pushes that button yeah. to the point where. It's 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 like very the, Steve that that sort of with the the writing especially in this one and the first one it reminds me very much of Stephen King where he go he'll he'll go for the dark you know I mean they'll, they'll do movies about all oh, you having like let's take for example like the milder dreamscape where it's like symbolically weird and horrible this is viscerally like I mean that's just mean-spirited yeah it's yes. cruel yeah and it's uh, and it's truly cruel and it's not and it's it's got like puns and wit in it but it's coming from the most brutal just sort of base right 
place. So it's yeah, and that and that again gets yeah. into what we were saying before. Freddy is intelligent. You know, he he is he is actively cruel. Jason Voorhees will tear your tear you from limb from limb, but I don't think he's cruel per se. He just wants you dead. Yeah. Freddy Krueger wants you to be scared out of your friggin' mind before he kills you in some horrible, horribly ironic way that's just, you know, just, and, and to amuse himself. Right. Well, I you mean, know? I'm getting the impression, seeing as how I'm in, I'm from after two on, I'm in virgin territory. I'm getting. Well, then you should be safe then. I'm getting a sort of, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm getting a sort of. <laughs> voodoo thing going on with freddy where he's sort of like maybe using the the power he gets from horror you know the the fear of the people he's killing yep. to transcend the dimensions of dreams and well he makes it explicit in this one the souls of the children give me yeah, strength yeah, yeah. i mean so, and this is the first time we get the the, the soul so chest where the oh, first God. movie he was kind of like visiting revenge if not on the specific people or their children, but the town. In this, it doesn't matter. You know, he's he's gotten past it. That might have been what the first thing he did. You know, I mean, I yeah. could see like, I could see some EC comic adaptation of of the Freddy Krueger story where you know. Oh my God! Before, yeah, could you picture it? Well, when when he's just, a custodian, yeah. he's studying ancient. You know, he'd. Spent all his money. He lived in squalor and spent all his money on ancient, you know, tomes that he would pour over about how to transcend death. You're not too far off, really. Chris. Yeah. yeah, you're not well, too far off. I mean, it's, it's kind of there's there, there were a lot of EC horror comics like that where it's like ha ha ha, you put me in the electric chair, but you know, little. Little did you know that I went into the electrical grid. I haven't seen that one yet either, but that's got one of my. I love. I, I know. I know somebody in that movie. You know, Shocker. In Shocker, yeah. I, Shocker my, is, my is one of my. Eugene Chadbourne. He's sitting. He's sitting in a in like a cafe. Although yeah. he does show up in a scream movie in one of the. Did did Craven direct one of the later screen movies? Yeah, so all, of them. all of them. Okay, all okay. Of them? Didn't Did Kevin, no, yeah. Kevin Williamson? No, Kevin Williamson directed some of the, the at least well, at least one of them. Well, well I think Craven did, he? did well anyway. I think Craven sure. did, he did one, two, and well, four. One of the later ones, he got to play like a, a a professor in it, you know, talking about horror movies hmm. at some okay. point because he's a uh, huge horror fan. Yeah, and and the the uh, and and you know, Chris Hero, you, you said it. You know, the idea that. Their, their souls give me power, and this—I mean—so much of the mythos, like you said, of Fred Krueger is set up between the first one and this one. This one kind of is yeah. the expanded universe almost. The idea, the 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 you know, everybody knows certain things about Freddy Krueger, but you know, if you if you know that if you've seen you don't this know one, it all, then you you're starting to know more of the stuff that that drives a lot of the sequels. You know the. Um, the the idea of why you know and and how he comes back after this even is set up here the idea of uh, like you were saying that that every that he has to be you know maintaining his power through whatever means that he has and we'll see that more in in four and then specifically spelled out for everyone who didn't get it in Freddy versus Jason you know yeah. and and I'm not and I'm not hey I'm not too proud to say I'm sitting there in the theater watching Freddy versus Jason and he explains it and I'm like. Well, holy shit! That makes four makes so much more sense now. 
But anyway, <laughs> that that'll be. Hey, for by, the, by the way, Wes Craven did direct all the screams. Sorry, I looked it up. Oh, Wes yeah, Craven yeah, directed I, all the I thought Craven Craven directed all of them because I hold to this day that Scream Three may be the worst film Wes Craven ever made. But again, that's neither here nor there. Um, did you see Scream Four? <laughs> Okay, to be fair, I haven't seen Scream 4 because Scream 3 is not so good. Bad, I wouldn't watch Scream 4. Scream 4 is better than Scream 3. It's not good, Scream though. 3 only has part, 27 the only killers. Part, the only part that is good in Scream 3 is the black guy saying, I've seen this movie. The black guy dies first and he leaves. He doesn't come back. The black guy does not die first in this. The black guy lives and he's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, the one, one, uh, one, one thing I thought was funny about watching this this morning is that I, I watch a lot of my movies for The Vault at, like, 5 in the morning because I wake up at that time, whether I have to go to work or not. Right. And the house is asleep. So I go downstairs, I make myself a, a cup of instant coffee, throw my movie on. And what is Kristen's lovely snack when she's oh, trying to stay uh, awake? Instant coffee and diet coke. Diet coke. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> instant gag. Ma- Maureen looked at that and just went, oh! Like retching, I was like, "Yeah, well, you gotta stay awake. What are you gonna do?" Out of maybe this? some responsibility, they didn't have them taking no doses because that's what you would have done in the eighties. You would have got well. They did in the first one. She was taking that's the no doses. Yeah, but where's she gonna get yeah. no doses in in, uh, in, in in an institution? She's not gonna be able to get her that's hands true. on that stuff. Instant yeah. coffee and soda you can get your hands on, sure. But she's not that's in the, the institution point. at that point. No, that's at home. That's at home. She needs to get some trucker's choice. That's that's the one you need when you don't want to fall asleep, you know. But... Her mom was getting trucker's choice. <laughs> trucker's choice. Oh yeah. yeah but let's let's speak, yeah. speaking of pharmaceuticals. Another important Oh yeah, big Yes. Introduced it. No, not that kind of pharmaceutical. Another, although they do make I'm talking make clean, reference. pure pharmaceuticals. They do make that reference. The the orderly hits on Taryn, you know, and asks her to go down to the the, the repository, but no, the um, the I can't believe there note. wasn't a follow through with that guy. Yeah, but he he's and they didn't follow through with Larry Fishburne being in it yeah, either. Right. But hey, the orderlies, the orderlies are not kids. He doesn't care about them. Now, in a yeah. in a in a uh, Friday the Thirteenth film or a Halloween film, that dude dies. You know yeah, what I'm oh, saying? Oh yeah, he dies horribly. Yeah, he gets a hammer stuck into his head backwards or something <laughs> like in Halloween too. But uh, I love that. By the way, I just want to put that out there. Every time I'm holding. Like prying up something with a hammer, I could bash this into somebody's head. But anyway, um, I don't say that out loud too often, <laughs> except on the job site. But anyway, the so the introduction of Hypnosil, which again plays a huge role in Freddy vs. Jason, which goes to just saying how influential Dream Warriors is, considering that when it came time to bring Freddy Krueger back in a big way after he had been gone for so long and to introduce him yeah. as the big bad in this important crossover film. They a went lot to of that well, too. Right. Weston Hills and Hypnosil. West, Weston yeah. Hills, Hypnosil, all this stuff from 3 all came back because it's like, look, it's like, yeah, you know, this stuff in 3 was good. It was solid. Well, the it people, was a the, like, That's right. Everything. Well, the people who the made Freddy vs. Jason grew up on those movies, and they were like, they were like us, well, but 3 was like a that, peak. That's not 100% true. Well, they, they grew up probably watching them on VHS, you know. Oh, oh, okay. Well, we, have, we, didn't, we didn't talk about Freddy vs. Jason yet, but uh, um, that's not... Re- I understand what you mean, Chris, and I agree, but it's not 100% true because there are 20-plus different scripts for Jason vs. Freddy. Oh, I, um, 
Oh, they've been going back since as soon as it was. It was. It was. New, they were as soon as New Line got the rights, the one we got was the one we got was yeah. pretty damn good. So that's that's all that matters yeah. to me. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's better than some of them. But I'm saying is, I I agree. I I understand what Chris is saying, but it's it was just yeah. There was a lot of different Jason vs. Freddy's that existed and then didn't exist and then almost existed. Um, so. But and Ronnie Yu, being the director, had never seen any of them when he made it. So yeah. anyway, so, but, some, but sometimes that that's good to get the the outsider perspective. The other the other thing that I thought was interesting here is that as we start getting introduced to Freddy's origin, uh, the the, uh, the now the law the the whole bit of a bastard son of a hundred maniacs and a ghost was, nun was very Italian. I thought. Yeah, ghost nun all in white, yeah. Better than ghost dad. Oh, my God. <laughs> Although, I'll, be, I'll be back. Don't, don't wait up for me. I'll be you back. Are... I got stuff I got to do. But, got uh, some hypnosil for you in your drink. But all that... You never get me to go to sleep. Never! <laughs> <laughs> But all of that stuff about the Son of a Hundred Maniacs and uh, all that was not in the treatment that was written by Wes Craven. That was stuff that was added in after, during development. But it, you know, it, it, um, <clears throat> what's interesting is that that introduces to the series a, a bit of a religious aspect. He has to be buried on hallowed ground, so Dr. Gordon goes and gets the holy water with... Uh, you know, well, with uh, with the, the the sheriff, or now he's a security guard. You know our security guard, our, right? Yeah, our friend John Saxon, and they go and they throw the holy water on him. So it introduces that kind of you know uh, the religious aspect. And what struck me as odd about that is comparing that to Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Now, Dream Warriors and Jason Lives are generally considered to be air quotes up to the mic the best sequels for those respective franchises. Now, you'll get some that will argue for four for Friday the 13th, but a lot of times six is either number one or number two amongst the sequels, okay? There was, in the in the shooting script for uh, Jason Lives, there are some overt religious aspects that the studio demanded be removed. This is the, ma- the main ones are the little girl who, when Jason is going through the girl's dorm, is hit the floor and is praying. And then later she is seen praying over the body of the main heroine. And then when she's alive, looks up at the sky and says, thank you. Paramount said, get that shit out of there. We can't have any of that. Nobody wants to see religion in their horror movies. This isn't the omen. Nobody wants this anymore. Whereas here, over at New Line, they're like, yeah, go with it. Why not? We're making money, you know. So they introduce this religious (laughs) aspect, which would then be revisited in the next three sequels, which kind of form the balance of Freddy Krueger's narrative as is introduced here in uh, Dream Master, Dream Child, and Freddy's Dead. So I, I just thought that was well, interesting well, is that Freddy, for one series... So that puts that, like, I mean, um, Friday the 13th had hell in it. No, I'm saying yes, but later on it did. I'm saying yeah. that, uh, 6 was around the same time that we're yeah. talking about. So it just I just thought it was interesting from a, a juxtapositional standpoint is that this series, which is mu- obviously deals much more directly with the supernatural, had no problem invoking Christian imagery and content ideas, whereas Friday the 13th, which did deal with the supernatural, I mean, by 6, Jason's a a zombie, 
but yeah. didn't didn't want to go in that direction specifically no. everything secular if you will well this what yeah this this movie essentially turns freddy into the modern well, day it was vampire. i mean if yeah, if absolutely. if you if you're sort of building it off the little girl's skip rope rhyme you know the last yeah. lines grab your crucifix mhm yeah i know and and hero you're absolutely right this is the idea of the uh, you know the modern day vampire not to be confused with today's Tom Sawyer, the mean, mean guy, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. His mind is not for rent for any god or government. Rush. No, Rush. <laughs> Canada's shame. <laughs> I thought that was Ed... No, that's, Bri- that's Brian Adams. No, no, no. Or Ann Murray. I bought my first real six-string. Well, there you go. You, you said I bought, bought my first real six-string. I, I immediately jumped to Tesla. I bought a beat-up six-string. <laughs> that's Foreigner. Didn't know that, that's how you're messing with my hometown, Luke. That's foreigner. Yeah, that's Lou Graham, man. He lives, he lives within five miles of me. I think. I love foreigner, man. Foreigner's great. I, yeah, you said it was Tesla, though. Come on, man. That's oh, that song in emotion. Song in emotion by Tesla. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> You're off the tracks already. <laughs> I, How can I, we be? I someday, Tesla. someday I we should Tesla just have. Uh... I saw Tesla at the Bilo Center in Greenville, South Carolina, with Skid Row and and uh, and Vince Neil, and that show was nice. crazy. And the next day on the news, they said police were searching for Vince Neil in connection with a DUI or something. I said he was at the Bilo Center yesterday. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time he was connected with a DUI. He killed Razzle. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's on I, tour. It's like, go there. <laughs> I just got the moneymaker, guys. You know how we have our podcasts are free. Everybody can listen to our podcasts for free. I think yep. if we ever do a podcast that we uh, people have to buy, it'll be the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror Heavy Metal Sing-Off. <laughs> oh, God, I'm ready. I know you're ready. <laughs> oh, I can do that, man. Free for me, New York City! <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk more about yeah, the movie, Yeah, but anybody feels free to write in and tell us how much you'd pay for that episode. Yeah. <laughs> they would pay us negative money. The, uh, you know, the, the, the TV scene, uh, it, to me, is always funny because I, I always I always kind of forget about the fact that you know, Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor are playing themselves. And, <laughs> yeah. and Dick Cavett, I... I Dick Cavett, every, every, if you ever see an interview with Dick Cavett, it's always about, I know some famous people. Do you want to hear some more famous people I'm friends with? I'm Dick Cavett. I know famous people. <laughs> I know Freddy Krueger. Do you want to talk about Freddy Krueger? I, I met Freddy Krueger once. And, Go away, Mr. Cavett. You know, nobody likes you. But, <laughs> well, but the reason actually, why they, Dick uh, Cavett like could, could he's, he's dead now, right? Is he dead? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so, no. He was on OB. Zombie and Jim, I thought this past year. Oh, okay, so Dick uh, Cavett can, can now legitimately say, I met Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yes, he can. Yeah, that Dick was Cavett, that was great. I remember hot. that showed up in a lot of the ads for the movie, like the on TV. Yeah. No, Dick Cavett, yeah, yeah. Because it's you know it's 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 crazy and it's ridiculous and it's surprising and all that so. It's just funny because why she picks... Well, I guess she picks that because of Zsa Zsa Gabor talking about being an actress. 
but it's like it's Shasha Gabor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, why that's it's even why funnier. That's point. They, 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 there was no way in the world the cab would ever be. He goes, I was when, when they when they wanted to figure who was going to be on the show. It wasn't going to be Meryl would, Streep. We knew that. Yeah. He goes, I would never have Josh Gabor on my show. So it was the most ludicrous thing I could ever think of. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, it's, like you know, it's, it's perfect. At some point, you want to like build a bridge and get over yourself, but it's like, you know. Okay, what? Tell, tell us some more stories about how you knew Groucho Marx. Okay, that that seems yeah. to be how you make most of your money nowadays. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's he's only like eighty years old. He's not that. Old. Yeah, he's not even. Yeah. He's still kicking. Yeah, he's still alive. He again, I said he was on Opie and Jim this past year, um, and they had him in, and he's just doing his you know matter of fact way of talking, and people are like you're so funny. It's like yeah. no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not dead. He's not gonna die anytime soon. He's not making a movie. We're good. So you know, sorry. You got several more years of dick in front of you. I always okay. just thought he was Steve good. Allen on like way too many Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that. <laughs> well, the old people like him. He's very relaxing. Yes. You like you sit down, watch a couple hours of Dick Cavett and Charlie Rose. It's a good Charlie night. Rose. You know, you know what would have, you know what would have been much funnier, although I'm not sure he was alive in 1987. But instead of it being Dick Cavett, if it was Phil Silvers. Hello, Mr. Kruger, sir. You're looking well as always. Good to see you again, <laughs> sir. Charlie, new screen, new skin creams. They're doing wonderful things. You should look into it. But <laughs> Charlie Rose is like Dick Cavett with a. Mixed with John Boehner, a shot of rum, and a vacuum cleaner nose that sucks out anuses. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, and there you go. Well, you know, speaking you know of what, sucking anuses. All right, so you want, you want to? Here we go. Here, you know I got some wait, trivia you know here. What, wait, wait, wait. You know what scene I really like in Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors? What I really like when in the final fight, right? They go in, they go in there. They're trying to go and rescue. Uh, you know, rescue, uh, what's his name, off the bed at uh, Joey. Joey. And, uh, okay, and so they're getting in a fight, and Freddy finally gets Nancy, you know? It's the scene yep. where he, he, when he first sees her, when, when Kristen pulls her into the dream, he goes, you, you know? He, he remembers that shit, you know? And he obviously has to be able to get her because she's been taking her hypnosil. So Freddy finally gets her, and he suckers her in with, like, the oldest move in the book. You know, they pretend to be your ghost dad of, J- of John Saxon, and she buys it hook, line, and sinker. I always like that because it's like, it, 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 it kind of, because, you know, this was intended to be the last one in the series, and as we've seen, it made money. We made money. I don't care where we wow. worked. We made money. And we and actually so they came made... back to ghost dad and hypnosil. <laughs> well, no, but hypnosil makes, you know, is, is a present point for, for it here. It's a plot point. Yeah. So, but obviously, so this wasn't the last one. They made the Dream Master and went on from there. But it it closes Nancy's story. You know, Nancy, who did, who fought tooth and nail and survived against Freddy, she calls the kids specifically, or not, or Dr. Gordon says the kids are survivors, you know, and, and she leads them into battle and helps them find their inner strength so they can fight them. And she makes the ultimate sacrifice to help these kids. You know, that's what Dr. Gordon says to. The other doctor who, you know, the one who, who gets wrong every single thing she does. And he says, do it, please. Do it. Well, it's because she's a nurse ratchet. Yeah, nurse ratchet. Like, please just help these kids. Okay? And so Nancy's the one who does everything and gives her all to help the kids. And then, 
you know, she she gets the shot on Freddy in there as well, which is which is nice. And the in the version that uh, was written by Wes Craven, instead of the whole holy water aspect, uh, Freddy is killed when Nancy stabs him with his own glove, which would have you know they both kind of die. That kind of would end. That's how you end the series going out, right? So. Obviously, uh, they didn't go in that direction, but I did like Freddie getting Nancy and Nancy getting some end to her story and taking her off the table uh, to be replaced. Thank God, because uh, she's still not a good actress a, in this. A, a feeling that it might have been contractually. <laughs> well, no, know, she wanted to oh, come really? back. Yeah, yeah, she was going to get to. Freddie was going to be dead. Yeah, there was not. Nobody was supposed to come back. And what's funny is that they're setting up. You know, they set up. You know, Kristen and Kincaid. As, as the new characters, and then they are, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens to them <laughs> in the next film. It's kind of the, the time-honored tradition, shall we say, of, uh, of how uh, characters that survive franchise horror films get treated. But uh, I, like I said, I, I just like that because I, I thought it was a nice, a nice way for Nancy's story to end was not, you know, not being killed off in the first five minutes or something, but going down fighting and help, doing everything she can to help her charges in their fight against Freddy. Okay, so I got some of the stuff you were saying, Joey, when we first started into this. Um, you know, so originally it was supposed to be um, the nurse was supposed to be the, the, is uh, is supposed to have a Freddy head, right? So it was supposed yes. to be the blonde. Uh, that would have been even more disturbing. That is, well, well, that is the epitome. Until you, until you is... see what it looked like, it looked atrocious. It looked so bad that, that is... they said it would, it would just made everyone laugh. It wouldn't have right, gone what that, they needed to. That is to. the epitome of confused boner right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so the problem is, so like you know, the, the thing is, they they have Joey, uh, and and they interviewed the the woman who played the nurse, and it actually was the longest time they had to interview anybody was interviewing her. They spent less time interviewing anyone else in the staff, had far less time than her, because part of her interview was for her to take her top off, and walk around with her top off. And um, Kevin Yeager said, he goes, it took forever to light those scenes. I just don't understand why it was so long, that, especially when she had her top off. To shoot all those scenes just took forever. Oh, um, and he goes, it was wonderful, but it just it was just very hard to light, I guess. And then uh, the thing with Joey was um, they tied him on with those tongues, right? And those tongues clearly are fake, but they look so realistic, um, you couldn't tell. But then what happened was they rotate the room, so he's being crucified, so he didn't have to hang. But the problem was they latched him on and he and he was now he's up on the wall and he started passing out because that's how you die from crucifixion is that you, your blood, yeah. your, your heart just can't pump blood anymore. So he's passed out and they had to like, oh, shit, let's cut him down. They had to turn the room back and get him down because he was going to die. Um, it's just funny uh, as as the, the guy, the uh, the actor who played Joey, he said, well, Joey's, you know, his we everyone has their weakness and his weakness is blondes. And it hasn't changed much since then, you know, kind of thing. It's kind of funny. Um, can you be any more opposite than the guy from number from part two? You know, like he's like, I really like, you know, naked chicks and stuff. And that guy's like, huh, I have a chick who wants to fuck me. I'm going to hang out with this guy, though, instead. Um, the uh, this is this is funny. When you were talking about like uh, a written original script, one of the dream warriors, uh, one of the warriors dreams up a giant transformer style robot to fight freddy yeah. and it got way too expensive so they cut it yeah, I could but, that. <laughs> but i'm just saying is you sometimes you see what they cut out and what they did what they didn't do and you're like thank god because that would have killed this can you imagine a really bad transformer like robot fighting freddy uh, no 
it'd be really bad. Like it just wouldn't wouldn't work. Warriors no. transform and roll out. Yeah. I, I I would have liked to have seen it. It could be done. <laughs> we can Kickstarter this hero. I'm ready. <laughs> um. So the other thing was, uh, uh, uh Brooke Bundy, uh, Brooke Bundy was that's Elaine Parker, is the mother of Tiffany Helm, who played Violet in Friday the Thirteenth and then A New Beginning. So oh, God, yeah. that's. Yep, that's what he calls oh, mom. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's that's Kristen's mom. She and her daughter were having issues, like well, you know, like, like you know, mother daughter kind of thing, whatever. So she channeled all that in her scenes with Kristen, and she said, "Yeah." And, and, and as part of the documentary too, she goes, "And my daughter, you know, she made some horror movies too." And they show a clip of her doing the dance in part five before she dies. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, I mean, it, it's fine. It's whatever you know, kind of thing. But like, imagine they instead said, you know, let's let's hire her for this role. You know, it could have changed so much because when you start thinking about like we talk about it all the time, especially with the with the the screen movie. So like, well, they interviewed these twenty seven actresses and these you know thirty, and how would it change everything? And it's just funny they could have gotten her, you know, to play her actual daughter. Um, also, uh, Taryn is wearing. Better, though. Well, it is. Taryn's wearing uh, the, the the shirt at the beginning is a docking shirt. For tooth and nail. Yeah, it's tooth and nail. Which is, uh, you know, that's the one that has into the fire as one of the tracks on it. Um, and um, when when Freddy has to stab, um, oh, now I forgot his name, the nerdy guy who played Harry Potter there. Um, Will. Uh, Phil, uh, Will. When he has to stab Will with his glove, the problem was the blade. They couldn't get the one that had the retractable blades to work, so they put a two by four in there underneath his shirt, and. They held him against the wall, and Robert England, with the real blades, reared back and slammed him into the two by four. Right? Uh-huh. So, you know, if he's off by a couple inches, adios muchacho. You know what I'm saying? So, because <laughs> he couldn't be too much of he couldn't be too much of the uh, you know two by four, because otherwise you'd see it sticking out. But it just was uh, um, just some crazy stuff. The other, uh, the other one, crap. I totally blanked on it now. It's it'll come back to me. But uh, no, I mean that's 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 the thing about this one is that even some I'm gonna feel really old now. Twenty nine years after its release, this one still works wow. really well. You know, uh, Honeywell, you were talking about '80s damage, and yeah, there, there's some of that. There's some of that on all of these nightmare movies. Yeah, but yeah. when you get down to the characters and the way the characters interact with each other, you know, and, and I like that there are. You know, we, we never quite lose sight of the fact that they're in an institution. You know, right when they when they have the first session where Dr. Gordon tries to hypnotize everyone, and they say, is this group? You know, they're, that, they're always in that line of thinking. Every time they walk into the, the group therapy room, straight talk only in this room. Even at the very end, Nancy says that when they're going to go fight Freddy. So that is, that's their act, that's how they are acculturized. That is what they are. They know this environment. This is where they have become, this is where they all belong now, is in this institution. You know, so like I said, it, it's, it's, well, it's well written, it's well thought out, it plays fair, it, it, it treats the audience with respect, it doesn't treat them with contempt and just say, well, you'll go see any old crap we put up there, Freddy Krueger's in it, right? You know, I think having it, you know, I'm, I'm going to steal a line that Andrew Leyland and uh, Mike Bailey say a lot, it's easy to write the first story of something and the last story of something. 
uh, sometimes it's harder to write the middle story of something. And in their case, they're specifically referring to writing comics. But in a movie, you don't have to worry about that. So Craven and, uh, you know, everyone that worked on this, they were trying to make the last Freddy Krueger film. And it works because of that, because it shows off, you know, you're, you can you can do things and get away with things and, do and uh, you know, make certain choices that you wouldn't necessarily want to do if you know, I definitely want to make a sequel to this. You know, you can empower your heroes in such a way that they can, in fact, fight and overcome your, your unstoppable, unkillable right. monster right. villain. You know, you can, you can kill off a character that's important like Nancy because, you know, we haven't, we're not at the point yet where we've established that we don't need to repeat any characters except the, the bad guy in these, you know? Well, it, so it, it's, it, it broke the total doom and gloom ending, too. I mean, it had a glimmer, it had a pretty much like, okay, there's a light on in the Freddy house. But it didn't have that, like, Hey, I just decided to stop drinking again. <laughs> you, know, and then you really like that one, I think. Get in the Freddy car and dri and drive away, and you know, and oh, it's all over. No, it's you're dead, you know, boy. <laughs> you don't you don't get that, <laughs> boy. That was a mashup that should have happened. They should have had the tall man versus oh Freddy at some point. Word. Holy shit! Well. <laughs> You know, you know, that was one of the, uh, of, of all the 20 different scripts for uh, um, Jason versus Freddy, one of them was they get pulled to hell at the end, and Pinhead says, gentlemen, what seems to be the problem, right? And as Pin, it was the, right, it was the Hellraiser. That's the intro to destroy all slashers. Right, yeah. Well, oh, man. What I'm saying is, but then there was, there was the idea of having Michael Myers in there, and there was the idea of... Ash would be in there, and then oh, the idea of um, so I guarantee now, you. To be fair, to be fair, they did do the sequel to Freddy vs. Yes. Jason, which was Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, which is actually book, incredibly yes. the comic, which is incredibly awesome. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I'm, I'm saying is, but but it's yeah. funny is because they they start I mean, going Satan through was in one of the treatments for Freddy vs. Yes. Jason. One of them was in a courtroom. It was the O.J. Simpson <laughs> trial, but oh, it was it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was Jason Freddy, Voorhees. Yeah. What? It was yeah. Freddy Jason, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It, 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 yeah, Jason Voorhees is on trial for his crimes, and he breaks out and whatever, and uh, there, the whole, there was all kinds of crap. There was a, there was a Freddy cult. There was this other thing. I, I mean, straight up, I mean, it, it, it got insane. And I think the problem is is that these, again, like uh, – um, Chris, you touched on this. It's like you said, well, these are the people who made those movies were the ones who grew up you know, with this. And to an extent, they were, but that, but there were so many different scripts out there, and so many different like people just trying to go in all different directions. Because, like Luke said, this was the end. Like this, this is this was supposed to be it, and we were done. But this made so much money, they just said, <laughs> well, "We're gonna make four. And then four made more fucking money. Yeah. And four like, made Let's make more money than three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, you know why? Because because everyone loves three. Everyone loves three. I've never met anyone who's like, oh, three is the worst. Th everyone loves three. Whether you yeah. like four or not or whatever, because five starts getting bad and then, oh, God, six is atrocious. Well, but, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, six, six is made because they ha actually, okay, we need to end the series now. Is yes, what happened with, with six. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, saying this, but stop. like, yeah. But, yeah, right, but I'm saying, but everyone it was loves stop. three. You guys ever hear about that one? Kickstopper. Are you familiar with Kickstarter? <laughs> no, but we need that. Raise money to stop projects from happening. 
Yeah. <laughs> like when they were making that live-action version of Akira, people raised money to bribe the producers to stop making it. So. We could just start a bunch of projects to get people to pay us to stop. <laughs> oh, man. If only that, that would, would be work. like the producers in IRL. Yeah. That's, the producers is what do you call it? You make more money when it flops than in success. That's right. <laughs> I said that to my dad the other day because American Psycho. My parents were supposed to go see American Psycho on Broadway, and American Psycho ran for like three years. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, sorry. American Psycho was turned into a Broadway production? Psycho for like two or three years in England, and it was a huge – it won their Tony Awards. It it was a major, a major, major play over in England. It's a major award. It's a major (laughs) award. Yes, it was a lamp. Um, It's it's Italian. Fragile. Anyway, so, so honey, uh, I think that says fragile. Right. Um, but the whole point was it came over, and I said to my dad, I said, I guarantee, because there was just an article the other day that a, a um, oh, shit, it was a, a Broadway producer is being sued um, for the full amount of whatever that was like, it's like, it's in like $20 million or whatever, because they made the play they had put up, it opened and closed within a week. And it was like, and like they sabotaged it to do that. And I said, my dad said, I bet you it's American Psycho. American Psycho uh, opened, it played three or four shows and then closed. My dad and mom had tickets to go see it. It was supposed to be this amazing, amazing hit. And I said, oh my God. And I said, man, yeah, but remember, dad, there's more money to be made in, in, in a flop than a success. He goes, oh, I can't believe they would do that. I was like, well, I, they made American Psycho into a friggin' play, dad. I mean, I, I mean, again, right. they made Carrie into a play. So, uh, <laughs> Carrie was a musical. Ugh. Carrie wasn't even a play. Carrie was a musical. So, which is really funny. But anyway, that has nothing to do with part three. Um, the thing I forgot, and this was before we mentioned Taryn, right? When he put the, the needles in her arms, right? And he's pumping her full of the, 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 the heroin. She's, her head's supposed to explode. Her eyes are supposed to explode out. So they went to film it, and the eyes didn't work, and they popped wrong, and they go, ah, fuck, we can't fix that. All right, take it out of the movie. And they just crapped it right there. They spent all this money on making this fake prosthetic head with the exploding eyes and the whole thing. Like, it didn't work. Scrap it. Just scrap it. They did it like, nope. It's Again, it's in the documentary. It's funny because the eyes kind of, and they go, oh, no. You hear some guy just go, oh, no. Like, he was just like, oh, no. Yeah, that was three him. weeks of work for him. Yeah. No, I it was, but it he didn't work. Paid, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, but you know, but it, but it, it's one of those happy accidents because now her death is not comical, you know. Her death is 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 pretty pretty harsh when you get right down to the brass tacks of it. So, not having some effect in there is probably for the best, you know, because you already get you already get the you get two effects. You get the needle fingers, and then you get the Cronenberg thing with the sucking uh, trackles, yeah. you know. So, her that's just like, <laughs> that's, the track lines on her arms when they start they make little sucking mouths is one of the most effective scenes in the entire uh in the whole franchise the whole franchise that's one of the most effective scenes there because it's just like it's so simple an idea but it's so good and all kind of thing um and then of course freddie with the you know the, the hyperdermic finger finger uh hands you know it's just like oh like i mean you think to yourself going how did no one think of this before this you know, and it's well because that's you know it just hadn't been there, and, and there's no. Re- I mean, who the hell else would have that? You know, have that happening, just and that's the perfect David place. Cronenberg or William S. Burroughs or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Cronenberg, he's like too busy, you know, you know, giving a cancer gun that grows out of your stomach. So yeah, we get this. Uh, There's a, this a little bit of Cronenberginess to uh, part five. Yeah, in part four, yeah. we'll get into. What? Well, you know what's uh, funny is that um, uh, Chris, you mentioned in the uh, the salvage yard, the Penny Brothers Auto Salvage Yard, uh, which when I saw it, I couldn't help myself. I immediately thought Penny Packard's Auto Salvage Yard. Uh, for the Seinfeld reference, you, you screwed me for the last time, Penny Packer. But uh, the uh, I, I love that I love that that uh, that salvage yard, that creepy you know junkyard with all the cars and they all come alive and all that. And that does make a return in the next one, which is very welcome. Uh, to the point that <laughs> in when I was in college, I played on an online game called Transformers Two K Five Two Thousand Five, and I played the character Motormaster, who's the leader of a group of Decepticon. Sports cars called the Stunticons. That was our our headquarters. That auto salvage yard. That was exactly what our headquarters was. So if you wanted to come talk to the master, you had to go through the haunted, spooky uh, junkyard and go talk to us, surrounded by all the piles of all the the cars we had destroyed. The, the impossibly the tall piles yeah, of yes. junk cars. It made more well, it's a sense nightmare. The Stunticons because we were giant robots. You know, so that would make sense. But yes, how the hell did they pile them cars up so high? I've been to an auto salvage yard. Usually they're just all lined up next to each other. How are you yeah. going to salvage stuff out of those cars if we're all piled yeah, exactly. up? Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, a really well, big crane. I, just, like, I need the stick shift out of that caddy that's buried under six Buicks. <laughs> but, you know, I guess, looks... I guess, you know, that to be fair, it appears to be, you know, kind of abandoned. Obviously, they didn't do a very good job with it. <laughs> Which, <laughs> the... Look at that. He's got new windshield wipers on a cracked windshield, you know. <laughs> that's, that's a flashback for a long time, vault listeners, right there. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, what else can you say? This this is the this is the this is the franchise maker right here. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, turn off this podcast. Go watch it. Come back and listen to it again because first off, it'll make a lot more sense, and yeah. secondly, yeah. you'll have you'll have seen you'll have seen the damn movie and and you'll be caught up because. I don't understand. I really don't. And Jay, you made the point that you've never met anyone who doesn't like who 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 likes horror movies who says Nightmare on Elm Street three is not good. I agree with that. I've never met anybody like that either. But it's like if you haven't seen this, whatever your bias is, whether it's oh I don't like movies from the eighties or you know ah you know I don't like sequels whatever, forget all that shit. Watch this damn movie because there's a reason why Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the most successful mm-hmm. horror franchises of all time, and almost all of it can be tracked to the original and this one. Like I uh, said, yeah. there, are, yeah. there are some circles that consider this to be in line with, you know, Empire Strikes Back, The mm-hmm. Godfather Part Two, yeah. as you know, the greatest sequel of all time. Whether you know whatever genre, whatever type of movie you're talking about, just a, a damn fine sequel and a damn fine movie that really stands on its own. If not for the fact that we need to know who three characters are. We need to know who Freddy Krueger is, we need to know who Nancy is, and we need to know who John Saxon is. And even that, we don't really need to know who John Saxon is. Okay? Other than that, this stands so well on its own and is so well realized, it's just a fantastic viewing experience, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Even if you don't like horror movies, you can watch this one as a, as a fantasy movie or a... Just a, a genre movie in general, and you'll get enough out of it. The only warning I would give with that is if you are squeamish. Yeah, it's not for the squeamish. Not for the squeamish. This is this is does not pull any punches. We we've only kind of scratched the surface here, I think. With you know, because we're talking about this as an audio medium, 
you know, to, to really the visual aspect of this film and the, the, the horror of this film from a visual gross out aspect is, is uh, substantial. So I would give that warning. But other than that, I think heroes hit it on the head. Well, I think, I think if you enjoyed the first movie, you is you probably enjoy this movie equally, but not for like rehash value because it definitely expands on on it in interesting directions whereas the second one was not horrifyingly like unwatchable or anything but it was just generally a a weird rehash you know kind of like a lifeless rehash whereas this one definitely injects so some of the mo- the mojo of the original in and not by just like copying it by like just taking it and build- building upon it so i was i had really low expectations for this because i had just generally heard that like you know that that they went they ju- they went downhill and i just yeah had really low and i i was blown away i was like hey this is very similar to I, if if I would have seen this when it first came out, I would have really enjoyed it. So yeah, I it, it's looking like it does deserve. We'll see. We'll see how great the other ones are. Maybe I'll love them. I think uh, <laughs> I'll say I'll, I'll be a prognosticator uh-huh. here and say uh, I think you'll enjoy the next one. Not quite as much as this one. Part five is where things are kind of on the mine cart is going Start, down the hill. going on the, the it starts just sort of running on its own engine and get cheaper. Yeah, the the, the fifth one is where the mine cart goes down the hill. The sixth one is where the cart has crashed into the fucking and wall are and exploded. around pissing on it. Yeah, 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 and then part seven is uh oh that was nice. Yeah, part yeah well number yeah number seven is like. Oh, that's cre- that's different. <laughs> but we'll get we'll get to that in, in uh, uh, down the line uh, some sometime. Yeah, in all in all due time. So the yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, you know what happens next. Don't wanna dream no more. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
So you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. I love the Freddy Snake. The Freddy Snake is unbelievable. Oh, it's massive.